1 Corinthians chapter 7, 17 through 24. Let's read our text and then we'll ask the king to teach us. Only as the Lord has assigned to each one, as God has called each, in this manner, let him walk. And so I direct in all the churches, was any man called when he was already circumcised? But he must not become uncircumcised. Has anyone been called in uncircumcision? Then he is not to be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing. But what matters is the keeping of the commandments of God. Each man must remain in that condition in which he was called. Were you called while a slave? Do not worry about it. But if you are able to become free, rather do that. For he who was called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's free man. Likewise, he who was called while free is Christ's slave. You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men. Brethren, each one is to remain with God in that condition in which he was called. Father, we come now to seek your brains, your wisdom, your knowledge, your will, your passion. And Father, we ask now that you shed us of our philosophy, you shed of, of our preconceived notions. That Father, you peel away the wisdom of man. And that Father, we embrace with great joy the wisdom of you who hold existence in its being. Father, may we grasp this and rejoice. And Father, may we understand your purposes. So, Father, we will give you the glory in our lives, in our attitudes, in our actions. And that, Father, that our lives will be focused upon your kingdom and your righteousness and with hearts of gratitude as all things would be added to us. To you, my King. Amen. We're looking at a text. Actually, chapter 7 is dealing with marriage, singleness, celibacy, and divorce. Um, and how does it all play? Uh, the church in Corinth was inundated with the philosophy of men. Uh, the wisdom of man was being brought in. And then you had people who were drawing around saying, well, I am of this teacher. I am of Paul. I am of Apollos. I am of Cephas. Well, you know, I'm the spiritual giant in this group. I am of Christ. And we see that today. Um, we struggle with what is going on in the body of Christ. Um, I have been going back a few years ago. I taught on the bride of Christ. I've been going back through the transcripts of that teaching and condensing them for church membership. It'll be a manual. And as I go back through there, some of that stuff is pretty good that I said. Not a lot, but some of it. I mean, 15 weeks, you know I've got to be able to hit something. But uh, in, in that process, it dawned on me, again, do we understand what the Bride of Christ is about? What happens in the Bride of Christ here in Castle Rock is the same thing that happens to the Bride of Christ in the church in Corinth. We bring our preconceived understandings, the wisdom of what our lives were, and we bring it in and we try to blend it with the things of God. Guess what? There's not a blender big enough to make those mix. You can't do it. You can't do it. It's impossible. The logic of God defies our understanding. 
And, and the Word of God speaks authoritatively on almost every subject. I mean, subject that some of us we can't even imagine. And if it's not specifically on that subject, it will deal with it in general. And that's what we've been dealing with. And the Apostle Paul started chapter 7 with now concerning the things which you wrote. Alright, so up to the first six, the first six chapters, Paul's dealing with the foundational problem of the church. And literally, if you really understand scripture, if you understand the dynamic of the body of Christ, you could have literally left out the rest of the book if you'd have dealt with and bowed to what he shares in the first six chapters. But Paul, understanding the nature of man, knew that he couldn't do that. Okay? We have looked at this book and we have been aware of the fact that there was, uh, there has been many practical areas. What we're looking at now is marriage. Okay? What happens if I'm married to an unbeliever? What happens if we were both unbeliever and we were in a tent companionship and in that tent companionship we, we would get saved? Or what if we have become, uh, um, we, we have lived together and for the time that Roman authority says, uh, yeah, now it's time. You, you're, you can be classified as husband and wife and now we both become saved. What happens? Uh, what happens if I have a, 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 a noble Roman marriage and in the process of that marriage, I become saved and my wife is not saved. Uh, and, but she wants to stay with me. What do I do? I mean, isn't it better, you know, to, to keep the spiritual things away from your wife and maybe I should divorce her? Well, what happens if a, a young woman comes to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and, and, and her husband doesn't like her chasing this, uh, this thing, this deity, this craziness, this, you have love feasts. Why is my wife at a love feast with a bunch of strangers and I wish not to be married to that person? But you know what we haven't dealt with? Specifically, which is amazing for the Apostle Paul. We haven't dealt with any theology. You ever notice that? He hasn't taught me about his omnipotence, his omnipresence, that he's faithful. He hasn't taught me about uh, uh, you know his attributes, his grace, his mercy, his love, his compassion, his righteousness, his wrath, his hatred of sin. He hasn't dealt with any of the characteristics and natures of God. And yet, he has. He doesn't give you this if it's not based on his being. So indirectly, Paul is literally backing up the theological dump truck, but he's doing it through practicality. Why does he want this? And I gave you six reasons that a, a single person should marry. And you shouldn't be trying to get, you know, best five out of six or, you know, if I can get four out of six, that'd be close enough. You need all six. The one that is most passionate in my heart is that marriage is a picture of Jesus and his church. And that should be the focus of my marriage. And when I think about that, uh, that's theology. Why? Marriage is an institution created by God. How we got into the marriage is not the issue. Okay. The issue is, now that you're in it, does it glorify and magnify He who saved you? So you see the theology is wrapped up in it. So the counsel of God on our reactions is His theology. I could name this sermon series, Christian in Society. As a Christian in society, 
What do I look like? Paul states the point in verses 17, 20, 24, and he illustrates it in 18, 19, 21, 22, and 23. And we're working our way through this because he states the points twice and he illustrates it twice. Okay? God's standard, God's theology. We hate that word. It's sort of like doctrine. It's doctrine. Uh, you know, um, yeah, I get people who say, well, do you teach Baptist doctrine? And I told them, I don't know what Baptist doctrine is. Uh, I teach Bible doctrine. Okay, what? Doctrine is the teachings of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that are exposed in the 66 books of the Bible. It's God revealing himself unto us. That's doctrine, who he is and what he's about. All right? So when I think about doctrine or theology, I think about who he is. And the more I know who he is, the more I fall in love. In light of that, what is God's standards in the life of a husband, in the life of a wife, and the children? Um, the Corinthians, as some of us this day gather, are having trouble with the whole subject of marriage and, and, and all the rest of it. Um, divorce, singleness. Um, you know, people who become Christians at different positions in life. Some of you, I, you know, some of you I envy. And I know it's a sin, but some of you came to the Lord young. I had an opportunity at this youth retreat. Every morning they had a devotional, they had a book that the kids had to go through. And um, I got a copy of the book and I seen what they were going to have to deal with in the morning. And then uh, I would pray on how the Lord would direct me. And then I would set a framework for the kids to sort of get their minds geared up to here's where you're going to go. And, uh, and the kids will testify the longest that I spoke. Are you all sitting down and hold on to your seat? It was about five minutes. Okay, because I wanted the kids to work at it. But that drove me so crazy. Today will be about three hours. So hold on. No, just kidding. Just kidding. To set their minds to this. And I looked across this group of kids. There was over 200. And I looked at these kids and um, Wayne and his people and his church. They don't water it down. Um. You heard questions asked that would freak out the average Christian. Did God create Satan? If so, why? And can God forgive Satan? The doctrine of predestination was brought up and God's sovereignty. Listen, this is 13-year-olds, 14-year-olds, 15-year-olds. All right, so the kids were I was I was thrilled. Some of you who had to try to answer these questions weren't thrilled. See I didn't have to. Life was easy. <laughs> you know, in the evening what'd you get from the message? In the morning, here's what the message is going to focus on. See ya. <laughs> okay. Um, but I looked at these kids and I envied them. I came to salvation late in life. Um, in my late twenties. And I feel at times I get overwhelmed with why so long. And I know the sovereignty thing. But I look at these kids and I thought, how awesome would it be to be 13 and 14 years old and have a hunger, a thirst for the things of God? That happens in the church in Corinth. It happens in the church today. People are becoming Christians. Okay, and there are pressures that come upon them once they become a Christian to conform to a certain view, a certain, you know, a certain belief. If you were from the Jewish background, you believed that you needed to marry. Why? God said, 
Go forth and multiply. If you did not marry and immediately start procreating, you're in sin. That's where the Jew would believe. And he would bring that in from how many generations? Okay? But we've already looked at it, that it's possible that God will give a charisma. He will give a gift of celibacy. Singleness. Why? I have a purpose. And my purpose is right now you're single. If you were a Gentile, they believed that you could be more devoted and more in touch and more useful to God if you were single. So perhaps you needed to divorce, especially if you had that pagan spouse. They bring those things in. You know, I think the joy of seeing young people seeking God, they haven't been corrupted by as much. I mean, you know, the old horse new tricks things. Um, the specific problems being dealt with. I will deal with um, the role of the woman in the body of Christ. That's a problem. I will deal with idols, food offered to idols, marriage, the Lord's Supper taken in an unworthy manner. So basically what he does here in 17 through 24, he's dealt with marriage and singleness and divorce and being married to a believer, an unbeliever who wants to stay and being uh, married to an unbeliever who doesn't want to stay. And he's dealt with these. But now he comes to a general principle. He was going to generalize this thing. Um, the basic principle is tough. This principle to your life this very moment is tough. That's why the music was the heart of worship. The music was, we will glorify you. We adore you. Let us shout to the Lord. Why? Because the world will show us that what you're doing is silly. <clears throat> we take this general principle and you will find yourself struggling. Where do we apply it? How does it apply? And that I will entrust to my, to our trusted Holy Spirit, and He will work it out with you. Because this general principle in 17 through 24 uh, covers every aspect of your soul, every aspect of your life for the time that you are here. Here's the general principle in uh, my summation Christians should not be concerned with changing their outward circumstances. Okay? And what you'll see in his illustrations, I can tell you contextually he's dealing with marriage or divorce, married to an unbeliever, or singleness, contextually. But I can also tell you that with his illustration, he deals with whether you're Jew or Gentile. Or, that would be your very nature. Or even your job he deals with. And what I mean by be concerned with it is preoccupation. Have you ever uh, seen a car gone onto it? Maybe you got a car and it's falling apart, pieces are falling off of it, and things like that. And, and and you've decided you want to get a car, so you go to a dealership, all right? And you see this nice little car that's got you all over it. Okay, I've heard that statement. I don't know what that means, but it's got you. It's that's you, all right? What do you do with that car? You become preoccupied, okay? You will find yourself pondering financing. How much can I get for a trade-in? wonder what I can do with this. How will it fit in my budget? I wonder what the insurance would be. 
And you will find yourself going through all of this stuff, preoccupation. If you're young and single today and you run into the one. What happens? Preoccupy. I wonder what she's doing. I wonder what he's doing. I wonder where they're at. I wonder what they're thinking about. I wonder if I'm on their mind. I wonder if I should be on their mind. Right? How about a job? Anybody ever got gone and applied for a job? This is my job. I'm convinced of it, I think. Right? This is perfect for me, I believe. And then we do this great one. Lord, is this your will? What happens? You become preoccupied. What can happen in Christianity is is that we become a social revolution and we think we need to turn our world upside down. I get tickled at some of the parachurch organization ministries who are convinced that we're going to do overturn Roe versus Wade. We're going to get put all the Ten Commandments back in the courtrooms and da 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 Okay? That was going on in the Corinthian society. It's going on in our society today. I mean, everything from divorces to singles need to get married, and some married need to get single, and jobs and slaves. Uh, And sometimes I have watched in our day and age, as this church in Corinth did, we will use our Christianity as a justification for change. And I believe that the majority of that time, it misrepresents truth of God. And I'm going to show you this. Paul is saying it doesn't matter what you are, nor what the society is in terms of your identity as a child of God. Whether it's communism, whether it's a benevolent dictator, whether it's a military dictatorship, whether it is a democracy, whether it is a representative republic, Christianity can't be stopped. I shared this last week. If a husband comes to Christ, what should that husband immediately do? Become a better husband. If a wife comes to Christ, what should that wife immediately do? Become a better wife. If a friend comes to Christ, what should that friend immediately do? Become a better friend. If a slave, i.e. employee, comes to Christ, what should that employee do? How about a citizen of a country comes to Christ? We don't come to Christ and become social rebels. That's college students. It's not Christians. College does it. Everywhere you go. College has never changed. I've seen the revolts of uh, 500 B.C. You know where they started? Tarsus and Alexandria, Egypt. You know why? Those were the first two colleges. (laughs) I'm saying, college kids just ain't changed. (laughs) I went to college and I lasted until the revolt was over. And I'm out of here. Wait a minute, i got to go to class. Okay? Any society, if you are a child of God, I like the illustration that I gave you two weeks ago. We are not like dynamite in the society. We are like leaven in the society. We permeate 
the society. Listen, you want to stop abortion? I know how to stop it. Permeate your society. Be the leaven. Be the leaven to the society. You can stop it. Why? Share the gospel. Okay? And if you have to, use words. Show a life that is redeemed. My Sunday school class today was fun because I wanted to know what true saving faith looked like. What does it look like? Because true saving faith is seen. And it will leaven the society. Do you know that Christianity interferes indirectly, not directly, with societal institutions? You know where hospitals came from? You know where colleges came from? You know what ended slavery in America? You know why slavery, for the most part, is disappearing globally? We should seek justice in our society in and through the means that that society permits. All right? He states this point twice, and and we need to pay attention to this. Um, You guys know I have this great flaw in my life. I love history. Okay, and I'm thinking that sometimes that's a flaw. But as I think back in history, every great social change in history... It's done by Christianity. But you know what's key to it? It was not done by exploding on that society. It was done by penetrating the roots of that society and the leaven spread through the whole society. Okay, look at your text. Verse 17, only as the Lord, New American Standard says, has assigned you. Okay, some of your texts will say, as called, let them walk. Okay, where you're at, walk there. I mean, if you're a student today, I don't care what, school. You can be in college, you can be in middle school, you can be junior high, high school, I don't care where you're at. Where you're at, walk. Walk in Christ. Why do we get into a position we say, well, I'm here now and I need to change it. Why? Why do you believe that? How do you know that God hasn't saved you in that position so that you can change? I talked, I had the privilege of meeting a young man who has a, who's on a path that I was on when I was a young man. And he stepped away from it. He's come to saving knowledge of Jesus Jesus Christ. He's a gangbanger. Okay? And uh, he's a fear for his life. And God, by his grace and mercy, kept me from fishing. And I met Joe Romero. And I sit down and I talk to Joe. It's a wonderful time. And, I, and he says, I'm afraid. And I said, yeah, I know. I said, you don't have to have faith to see bullets. And yet Christ has called us to walk in faith. And then I brought something to his attention. Do you know, and it's funny, I was studying this text, but do you know that where you're at, you should walk? Why? Permeate your society. And he says he has a friend who's quit doing duster and, and PCP and all the rest of it. And I said, there you go. I should share the gospel. He says, but you know, I got to go back. I said, let me tell you something. God saved you exactly at this point for his intended purpose. Rejoice and say, here I am. Send me. Okay. Every single one of you are in a position right now that you can have an effect that has eternal ramifications that I cannot touch.
I can't get there. I can't walk in that place. I can't be with those people. And yet, he says, as you are called, there walk. Whatever God, I like it because it says, as God has called each in a manner, let him walk. I direct all the churches. All right. He's basically saying, whatever God has assigned, keep that course. Keep that course. What are you focused on? Well, I need, I need a new job. I need a bigger job. I need a smaller job. I need more kids. I need less kids. Amen. I need, uh, you know, I need this education. I need this certificate. I need the da 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 da. What did you just do? You took your eyes off the prize. Paul said, it's not that I have arised, but I press forward to the upward calling of Christ. What is there? Everything around me has Christ's potential in your job. Do you know that you can have Christ's potential setting in rush hour traffic? Do you know the job you're in right now? God has you there for His glory. He wants you as a piece of leaven to permeate that place. We've already looked at it that a sanctified, saved spouse in the home does what to the home? Sanctifies the home. Whose power is greater? The power of the lost people or the one Christian in the home? Okay, magnify it. I am in a workplace full of pagans. Whose power is greater? And he's saying, where you're at, walk. What has been allotted to you? Your assignment, Mr. Phelps, should you choose to accept it, is... Yeah, yeah. And All right? But you see what I'm saying? Where you're at, deal with it. And I, man, I got pinched on this this week, and I've had this intention. I have some papers that I have to do for this institution. That institution. That didn't sound right, did it? Visitors thinking, he's been institutionalized. Um, I, for the Olford Ministries, I, I'm kind of cleaning them up, making them look like I can really say a complete sentence. Um, but uh, I was going to do that, and then I'm working on this thing for church membership and, and some other things that I'm working on, a budget I was going to work on, and, and some fishing. <laughs> and God said... You didn't look at my day planner, did you, Terry? I have Carolyn who needs to talk to you. I have Ann who needs to talk to you. I have Joe who needs to talk to you. You need to talk to Wayne. You need to talk to Ann. You need to talk to Max. You need to talk to... And I'm sitting there going, but I was going to write. Can they come and talk to me? And he said, no. Okay, and you know what? I'll be honest with you. I got cranky about it. I got cranky about it. I mean, I got cranky. Wayne kept me up till 3 o'clock in the morning, and I had to get up at 9 o'clock, and he said, oh, I won't be there until lunch. 3 o'clock, and I got to be there by 9 have something spiritual to say. Your pastor's asleep, lazy bum. <laughs> okay. In our context, if you have the gift of celibacy, why marry? If God has you single right now, why be consumed, preoccupied with marriage? If God has you married right now, why would you be preoccupied with other than being the best husband or the best wife you can be? If you're married to an unbeliever, why would you not want to even be a greater witness to the Lord Jesus Christ? Look at verse 15. He says, you know what? We've been called to peace. We've been called to peace. I need to take you over to a text because I want to take you to this because this just thing just freaks me out. 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. 
Paul's strengthening this young man. Paul's getting ready to step into eternity and he's setting Timothy up to, to not be afraid and to strengthen him to take over where Paul has left over, left off, all right? Uh, look what he says in verse 24. Now, there's like some of you that are out there right now that have just enough theology to just be flat out dangerous. Okay? You, you are. And you just go around, bam, 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 bam. Okay? I did that. And there's times I still like doing it, okay? But I do it by choice, and I think this is going to be fun. Well, I'm going to smack these people, okay? Look what he says. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome. You get that? I don't have to argue my point. I do not have to defend my God. I do not have to defend my theology, my stance. I don't have to argue about it. I don't have to quarrel. Why? But do what? Key word, to all. Be kind to all. All right? Able to teach, patient when wronged. All right, look what else he says. With gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition. Now, this is what I want you to see. This is a peaceful existence that Paul is calling Timothy. Now, Paul's in prison. He's getting ready to have his head removed. And yet he's telling Timothy, I want you to be peaceful, gentle, patient. Be cool, dude. That's what he's saying. Why? I want you to correct those in gentleness who are in opposition. How? Why? Why must I do it this way? Why must I be patient? Why must I look at gentleness? Why must I be gentle, kind? Why? Why? Look what he says. Perhaps God will grant them repentance. Key leading to the knowledge of truth. Let me tell you something. If you've got a hard heart, they can't come to repentance and they can't see truth. You got that? Now, I'm not talking. This text is not talking about lost people, though lost people are encompassed in this. I know Christians right now who have hearts that make granite look like sand. And they can't come until God grants them repentance to come to truth. What's my responsibility? I correct gently in kindness, patience when wronged. You know what that means? When they attack vehemently, What's your response? Zero, zip, nada. Okay, but you know, you need to understand, he already says stand in the grace that's in Christ. If you're not doing that, you don't have to worry about this one. Okay, but I want to show you something. When I am there, when I take the situation and the circumstance that I'm in, okay, my job, Jew, Gentile, married, single, divorced, da 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 Go down the line. When I take that and I say, here is what I am going to do. Patient when I'm wrong. I do not need to quarrel. I need to be kind and gentleness. Perhaps God will grant, grant them repentance. That repentance of that heart, that breaking of that heart will lead them to the knowledge of truth. Look what happens in verse 26. They will come to their senses and they will escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. You got that? When I'm walking as Christ walk, it is possible that God will use that testimony, that life in front of these people, whether I'm at work, 
whether I have unbelieving spouse, whether I have unbelieving children, whether I have a job that is just the biggest pain job in the world of existence. Whatever it is, whatever circumstance you're in right now, you walk as Christ and perhaps God will draw some to the knowledge of truth. You may be able to sway a hard-hearted Christian who's been a tool of Satan in the church and bring them back to where they'll be. Set them free from that snare. You may be able to bring lost, blind, naked, godless enemies to God who have no peace and your kindness God says that testimony will draw that person into eternity. And it's where you're at. It's where you're at. You don't go out looking for a theological fight. You do that right there and the fight will come to you. But guess what? When you're wrong, guess what you do? Zero zip Nada. You don't quarrel. You don't argue. Why? You're kind. And you're gentle. Perhaps God will bring them to repentance and knowledge of truth. Why? God has called you to peace. God has called us, every single one of us, to peace. Sometimes we get enough theology that we're just going to go around and change the world. You can't do it. Why? If God doesn't bring them to repentance, what good are you? I mean, look at what they did when God incarnate walked. I mean, he could only walk on water, raise the dead, cause the blind to see, feed 5,000 from a handful of fish and bread. You can do more. If God doesn't open the eyes, I don't care if you're Christ incarnate. They won't come. They won't come. I don't have to pick a battle. I don't have to. We have a bit great debate on evolution versus um, creation. It isn't a big debate. <clears throat> Common sense. I look around. Silly. That's silly. Why? You're telling me a big explosion made everything I see? Great. I'm going to start a subdivision. I need some dynamite. <laughs> right? A big cataclysmic event. I can make a city. Okay, but let me tell you something. They have put their faith in what? Science. You're going to change that? God changes hearts. We are peaceful. We are patient. We are gentle. We are long-suffering. God will use that to bring people to the knowledge of truth. You know what's so cool about that? Let's be freed from the father of lies. Okay. Go back to your text in Corinthians. Because this is fun. This is fun. How many of you here have ever said, God, what is your will for me? Huh? Verse 17. God has assigned it to you. <laughs> Why do you keep belly aching about it? <laughs> that's what it says. That's Terry's vernacular. But that's what he says. What God, the Lord, has assigned. What does that mean? Whose will would be exercised if the Lord has assigned it? My responsibility in the will of God would be then walk in it. 
Walk in it. Regardless of what your job is, walk in it. Regardless of your marital status, walk in it. Regardless of your ethnicity, walk in it. You're there. Do it. Keep the job you have, the marital status you have. You know why? He's saying right there, he says, as God has called each in this manner, let him walk. And so I direct in all the churches. Why? He's saying it's God's plan. When the Lord redeemed you in that position, wherever you're at, he did it to use you in that position. You're saved here. I want to use you here. Whatever the place is, at least for this time, ask yourself a question. Are you being used of God? And if you say no, then who's at fault? And I will tell you what he preoccupied with. So at least for the moment where you're at, am I walking in what Christ has given me? Listen, how can I be content? Be How can I be discontent where we are in God's plan? But think about it. I, I, I can look at most of you. I know what you do for a living. And where you're at, you are leaven in that place. I can't be leaven for you where you're at. I can't be it. Uh, my son, he's in going into high school. My son can be leaven in the high school. I can't do that. Guy, as soon as they find out what I do for a living, they'll run me off. Okay, you can't come in here. Oh, it's separation of somebody. Okay. But he can't do it. It's impossible. Um, whatever your position, wherever you're working, guess what? God says, I have you there for my purpose. Period. Walk in it. Let me show you. He illustrates this. I want to show this. This is really kind of cool. It's kind of weird, but it's kind of cool. Well, it is. Look at verse 18. He illustrates it. Let me illustrate it. As Paul says, where you're at, be there. All right, so he says, was any man called? All right, that word called in the New Testament, anytime you see that, all right, it always is direct reference to what? Salvation. Was you saved when you were already circumcised? Okay. What's he saying? Were you a Jew and came to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? Okay. Yeah. Then he says this. Well, you can't become uncircumcised. Well, duh. (laughs) Okay. You know, we all laugh, but let me tell you something. I found some weird stuff. There's an intertestinal period, okay? Um, the period between, um, literally chronologically, it's in your Bible it would be between Malachi and Matthew, okay? But chronologically, it would actually be between Ezra and Nehemiah before the arrival of John the Baptist, okay? Um, there's a 400 years that they say God was silent. Um, that is when the Greeks ruled Israel, uh, Antiochus was the ruler of the area. Uh, and there was a revolt that raised up against it by uh, a family called the Maccabees, and it was led by the patriarch Judas Maccabee. You know the menorah, uh, the candles, uh, comes out of the Jewish revolt against Antiochus. Um, but what happens is, is that when you, re- you revolt against uh, a military dictatorship, uh, you better win. Because if not, it just gets miserable. Well, they didn't win. 
Okay, so it got miserable. So what some of the Jews wanted to do was, I need to try to get along with the, the, the Greek society, the social uh, status of, of the Greek society. Anyway, 1 Maccabees chapter 1, 11 through 16, um, there's a comment made that there are renegade Jews who want to identify with the Greeks and are striving for a procedure to remove the scars of circumcision so that they could go to the Greek gyms. Greek gyms were naked. Okay, when you went to the gym, uh, to the gymnasium to run on a treadmill or whatever, stairmaster or whatever, during the Greek Empire, you did it but naked. And if you were Jewish, you stood out. <laughs> and there was a movement among some Jews to try to act Greek. And they had a procedure that they were trying to get accomplished that would make them remove the scars so they didn't look circumcised. Okay, now Maccabees was pretty ticked off about this. But uh, I read that and even Josephus said that there was a, a time that it was better to appear uncircumcised. Okay, the issue here is not the undoing of circumcision. Okay, if a Jew comes to Christ, who would be the most likely be used to be drawn to Christ through that Jew? More Jews. So why would you want to act non-Jewish? That's what he's saying. I mean, Paul went down and went through a cleansing thing down at the temple. He didn't need to go through that. But why did he do that? Well, he was in Jerusalem. And the Jewish community, Jewish hierarchy was really ticked off at Paul. Okay? I mean, they had sent him up to arrest all these Christians and <laughs> the bonehead became one. Okay? What's up with you? Well, you know, leave you alone for 10 minutes and look what you do. Okay? But, so they were mad at him. So when he came into Jerusalem to sort of keep peace among the Jewish nation, the Jewish population, what did he do? He went to a cleansing ceremony. So if a Jew comes to Christ, his greatest impact will be where? To the Jews. It may be his direct family or it may be people that he works with. If a Jew comes to Christ and removes his Judaism, i.e., I want to be uncircumcised, he will identify with the Gentile culture. What will his Jewish friends say? Ooh, blasphemer, you are trying to remove the mark of the covenant? That's unthinkable for a Jew, even today. So you want to give up being a Jew now that you've come to Christ? He will alienate himself from the harvest field in which God says, I want you in. Okay? Paul says, don't do that. Don't do it. Gentile. I mean, that's what he says. <clears throat> was any man called when he's already circumcised? Don't be uncircumcised. If anyone was called when he's uncircumcised, he's not to be circumcised. Gentile. You get saved. Do you want to be a Jew? Some do. Um, the Jubilee celebration, the 50 years of the reestablishment of Israel, was that 98? There's a whole bunch of Gentiles running over trying to claim the Jubilee celebration of Israel. You ain't Jewish. What are you doing over there? That's silly. Well, but we're, no, 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 no. Uh-uh. We want everlasting covenants. Trust me. 
God made an everlasting covenant with Israel. You don't want to say that your church is now Israel. All right, so we want everlasting covenant. Trust me, you want everlasting covenant. Okay, because if it's not everlasting, then when do we lose our salvation? <laughs> he chooses? Uh-oh, bummer. Okay, we don't want... We don't want temporary covenant. We want everlasting covenant. I'm tickled to death if Israel gets their land. Have it. I've been there. Keep it. It's yours. It's rock. It's dirt. Okay, anyway. Gentile, you can't become a Jew. Now, I don't believe that this um, is dealing with Galatians. And I'll deal with that in a minute. He's basically saying, if you're a Gentile when you were saved, stay there. Why? Don't alienate those people God has placed in your life. How many of us do that? Think about it. How many times do we alienate those people that are around us? Do you suppose them people were just random explosion into your life? Then you believe in evolution? No. God brought those people to you. Unbelievers who want to leave you, if you're married to an unbeliever, if they want to leave, have them leave hating Jesus, not you. I have seen believers who I would have divorced. (laughs) Because their spouses were unbelieving and the way they treated their spouses was horrible. And I would have left them. He says, no... If the unbeliever doesn't want to stay, let it be because they hate Christ, not because they hate you. Jews who feel strong about their Jewishness, you don't want to alienate them. Okay? Um, Each person in this room has been given accessibility to different groups, to different individuals. Everybody in here. And some of them individuals are just serious pains, aren't they? Some of them people wouldn't know Jesus if he walked up, introduced himself, and did a miracle. Don't be discouraged. Be kind. Be gentle. Oh, and that other one, long-suffering. Why? Perhaps God will use your life to free them from the father of lies. Paul is saying here, Circumcision is nothing. Uncircumcision is nothing. Okay? Only as the Lord has assigned to each of us, as God has called each, in this manner, let him walk. All right? All I can present that as is, here I am, send me. Wherever I'm at, Whatever workplace I'm in, whatever marital relationship I'm in or singleness that I'm in, wherever I'm at, here I am, use me. Use me now. Okay? And if the situation changes, guess what? God is honoring that walk. I mean, if you're single and God all of a sudden brings you to the point that all of a sudden, boom, there's Mr. Right or Mrs. Right or whatever happens, guess what? It was your faithfulness. Don't think um, that you're in a place to torment people, to afflict people. I I don't believe that this this circumcision, uncircumcision, it's not similar to what he's dealing with in the Galatian letters because Paul was very upset in the Galatian letters. Uh, He doesn't use terms like, you foolish Galatians has bewitched you here. So it is more of... Uh, societal change, revolution. 
I'm now, say I'm a Jew, I come to Christ, uh, I don't need the temple, I don't need the priest, I don't need the synagogue, and I've got better than you do. Okay? In a Gentile, uh, you've been in a pagan world, uh, multiple gods, uh, food worship, or idols, and all kinds of weird stuff. Just back away from it. Okay? You don't have to say, you know what, I'm pretty sure you're going to hell. Okay? That ain't your call. Jesus Christ is the judge. You're not. I'm not. Okay? I mean, you can look at him and say, if you don't change, you might. But But the truth of the matter is, come follow me. Too many Christians today are walking around with God's proverbial hammer thinking that they're the angels who will separate the sheep from the goats. You're not. God's going to do that. What am I? I am the salt. I am the light. I am the leaven of the world. None of those have this great traumatic impact. But we like drama, don't we? And that ain't what we're here for. I was talking to some friends. We have a great ministry in the lands of Russia. And I was talking to some guys who just come back from Russia. And he says, there's a phenomenon over there that's amazing right now. It's in the Russian church. And he said, I never thought about it. Okay. And they don't even have a name for it yet because it is so weird. The churches in Russia are growing. God's hand is moving mightily on it. But the problem is um, you have infants. I mean, you can go into a town, preach the gospel, and you've got a 250-member church of infants instantaneously. And here you have a pastor and his wife going, uh-oh. Okay? I mean, nursery, Sunday school, what are you going to do? What are you going to do with music? You don't. That's what you're going to do. Okay. But what they're finding is, is that those who preach the gospel and walk with Christ under communism think they're better than those who are coming to Christ under a free economy. And there is a division that is setting up in the lands of Russia that I'm more spiritual because I was martyred. I had to go to jail for the gospel. You didn't. That's man. God kept the church alive under communism. He said, you walk in that, and it may cost you your life or a real nasty stay in some gulag. But if I take gentleness and kindness and long-suffering, what do I do? We do that. I see people in a church in America today who jump from crisis to crisis to crisis thinking that they're in some great spiritual battle battle, and they cry martyr. You don't understand. Okay? Why? You know, just, here's a crisis, here's a crisis, here's a crisis. Well, maybe repentance on your behalf would be good and you wouldn't have so many crises. Okay? Why? God put you there. Walk. It's been assigned to you. We missed that. I want to close this thing. Circumcision is nothing. You know what he's saying? Jewish is nothing. Doesn't mean anything. Uncircumcision is nothing. Look what he says. What matters? What is the greatest matter? What is the greatest priority? What is the greatest focus in this day and age for a Christian? Do, 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 do. Keeping the commandments of God. 
What's our focus? The kids, one of Tommy's messages talked about tithing. I don't, I don't even know how he got tithing out of it. I was trying to, how did he get from to tithing? Anyway, so the kids, I asked any of the kids in my little group that comes out afterwards, I said, any of you kids tithe? And, you know, a couple of them worked. I said, yeah, I give a little bit. What does tithe mean? It's when you put ropes around somebody's hand and just, no, that's a different, okay? So I asked him, I said, that's cool, all right. So I, said, I threw it out there. Of course, my Sunday school class had already been beaten up with it. But I threw it out there. I said, how many hours are in a week? I, oh, and then you can tell some of these guys, math was not their strong suit. Uh, and I said, okay. So I asked him, all right, here's how many hours in a week, 168. I said, uh, do you tithe time in the word to God? And about half of them wanted to go, whoa, wait a minute. That's a tenth of 168. What is that? You can see them, and I was like, just a question. How can I keep the commandments of God if I don't even know what they are? How many of you, if you were listed out the spiritual gifts this day, how many of you, before we studied this text, would have understood that celibacy is a spiritual gift? How would you have known that? There's only one way you know what the commandments of God are. And you know what? I've tried it. You can't sleep on these things. I used to think if you slid one under your pillow, something would seep through. But the pillow works like a lead shield. It doesn't get there. Do you tie your time to the king? What is important is not the society you're in. What is important is not the social position you're in. What is important is not your job or where you're going to work. It is not your economic situation. It is not your marital status. It is not whether you want to be married or shouldn't be married or whatever. What is important? Keeping the commandments of God. What has God got to say about this? That's a moral issue. And there's no sense in alienating our family or, our, or our, ourselves from friends or family or co-workers or job situations. Why? We have the power of the living God in us. And when it comes back down to it, we sing to Him today. Oh, worship the King. Oh, glorify Him. Magnify Him. We adore Him. Let us adore Him. As long as He doesn't want me to do anything. Really. He does want you to do something. What matters? Keeping the commandments of God. That matters. Focus on what is important. Focus on what is important. Stop getting bogged down in the superficial. Anybody get bogged down in the superficial? Drives me nuts. I had some work done on my motorcycle. And I was coming back and had all these visions of, oh, it's going to end the hair and whoo, it's going to be great. Okay? And ain't ready. What's the matter with you guys? You had a week. Gee, when you I didn't need you to build me one. I just needed tires. God said, what are you focusing on? Tires, Lord. Can't you see? Can't you do a miracle? Put tread on that thing or something? The issue is obedience. And I'll close you with this thought. To whom much is given, much is required. Father.
I praise you for your word. And the amazing things that you, you're doing and that you allow us to be a part of it. Father, may we draw upon this and understand exactly where we're at is exactly where you want us doing exactly what you called us to. Father, as you told Esther, it was for a season such as this that you are here. Father, each person who is in this room this day, it is for the purpose that you have that we are here. Father, let us embrace that. Let us rejoice in that. And Father, let us cherish that. But Father, first and foremost, Father, let us walk in that. Let your gentleness and your kindness, let your long-suffering be that that we are noted for. And may we be used to break the bonds of so many saints from the hands of the evil one. Father, use us to bring many souls to repentance, beginning with myself, to you and you alone. Amen.